Welcome to the MPTO Show. I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo, and joining me today is Leah Baloney, amputee author of Impossible Real World Solutions for Amputees to Accomplish the Impossible, Jeffrey Mangus. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey, and thank you for being here. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to, to come on and uh, to talk about the book and uh, talk about you know, being an amputee. Let's, yeah, really excited to be here. Thank you. So, All right. Oh, yeah. Before we get into the book, let's start with a bit of background uh, for our listeners. Can you perhaps tell us a little bit about yourself and journey and your journey with limb loss? Well, <clears throat> my journey with limb loss started. Um, I, I first off, I was a I was a professional real estate broker for over 14 years. I, I had two multi-million dollar real estate companies, but prior to my to my limb loss, and I lost my left leg in November of 2017. To a flesh-eating bacteria in my left foot. Um, so with the new, with the career pretty much gone, because I wasn't able to do anything at that point, uh, I felt like I was, you know, really, really losing my my life. Uh, it started a whole new trajectory as I'm as I'm lying on, flat on my back, not not knowing what I was going to do for a living, what I was going to do with my life. Um, I did some deep soul searching and really have always been a writer for my entire life. I've been a writer. I never did it professionally. I uh, just did it as a hobby. Uh, I studied and did children's books and different things like that, which is great. And don't take anything away from that. But the one thing that when I was laying on my back and, and had nowhere to go was I like asked myself deeply, Jeffrey, what is it you want to do with the rest of your life? What is it that that one thing that you truly love to do, and that's writing. So I jumped into it and have never wrote a book before. So I wrote my initial first book about my amputation, about my story, about what happened, how traumatic it was. And it was my first stab at, at writing a book. And, you know, did it do well? I can't say no, but it was, I got it off my chest, you know, but it also allowed me to, uh, get that experience of like, okay, wow, you wrote a book, you finally, you actually did that. And then a friend of mine, who's a, a, a prolific inventor in the, in the innovation world approached me about ghostwriting a book for him. And I never thought about that. I'm like, ghostwriting a book, man, I don't know, have any clue on what that is. But he trusted me. And I believed in myself. And so I, uh, we wrote a book proposal and we sold the first book to HarperCollins Leadership, really exciting, and started the career of ghostwriting. So now I'm a professional ghostwriter. I write for authors around the world. And I've written 19 books so far and I've had uh, five best-selling books. So really excited about that career, you know, but it all started from the limb loss. And that's where I'm at today. That's what I do for a full-time living now. Right. And it always, you know, it's very interesting that sometimes we do find that new persona, if you will, um, after something, you know, either tragic, if you want to look at it that way, or a life experience, a life changing experience. As, as I always say, I think one of the messages I, I do say also is that you're not in it alone. There's other people who experience through that. And you kind of have to look at it from you know, how do I move forward from that? And I think you, you know, in just little that introduction for yourself as an author, you kind of hinted on 
the idea of where do I go from here? And I think there's a lot more to it than that. About just like, I wanted to start writing now that I have this life-changing experience. What was that like for you? So let's go back to, you know, having the um, diagnosis, like what was, what sort of, you know, was there any indication that you, you had an infection going or was that, you know, as you hear with other amputees, I think the experience is always unique and different for each one. Yeah. You'll get like, you know, somebody who's like, oh, I stepped on a pebble, you know, because of other uh, issues, then it becomes that. And then, so people often sometimes misdiagnose either from where it began or, or how it started for them. How did yours kind of come about and and maybe shed some light on then the process? Because I think one of your first book as well was about, and you mentioned it, about you. Isn't there a book that you wrote about, about the first five days and first, or was that the memoir you're talking well, about? Well, the first book I wrote was called Limb Lost Life. And it was about the right. first days, weeks, and months of being an amputee. That's correct. Um, and it was, it was, that book was predominantly my story, but how my limb loss came in, came to play um, and it's all in my new book, Am Possible, uh, because I, the one thing I did when I set out to write the book was to be completely open and transparent. And with that said, I um, did not, I was a, di I'm a diabetic. I manage it strictly like a hawk today. But before that, about three years prior to my first amputation, when I, I'll get to that, um, about three years prior, I was not taking care of myself whatsoever. I was working real estate, you know, working long hours. I was a broker. I managed 120 real estate agents. It was all busy, busy, busy. And I, I had nothing but no sleep and bad food, not taking care of myself. So I'm guilty. I'm to blame. So there's no, there is no other blame. And I want to, I, I put that, I make that clear in the book. Um, but there was a lesson learned. So during those three years, I had a, I developed a wound on my left foot and I was going to the wound clinic three days a week. And I was getting, uh, you know, antibiotics injected into me. I was, it was just a constant barrage of healthcare, uh, emergencies on and on and on. Well, to the point where I finally lost my left toe on my left foot and part of, and part of my left foot. That was one of the, you know, first five of the five amputations that I've experienced. That was a wake up call. Losing my little toe and waking up to that not knowing I was going to lose a little toe was traumatic. And, and even though I still had my balance, it was just the sight of it, the sight of losing a limb. I never thought of that. Never thought of even, I never even crossed my mind. So that sent me on a different trajectory. And when I say that, I went on a health trajectory. I immediately went to eating completely vegetarian, no meat whatsoever, no protest. I'm not anyone here that loves meat. I'm not saying anything about that. Just that was what was working for me and my diabetes. So I went on to this strict vegetarian diet and stuck with it and lost over 65 pounds within like six months. That in itself was great. I was feeling healthy. I was doing great, feeling really great. But that where I had the amputation would never heal. Just never heal. It just never healed. And all those times going into the wound care, wound care clinic, it was like Russian roulette. It was like pulling the trigger because I eventually I caught something in that foot, in that one little wound. I mean, it was like a pinhole size wound on my foot, but got a flesh eating some kind of a bacteria in that, and it it ballooned from there. So uh, I I started feeling kind of sick. You know, for two weeks I had a fever. Kept checking my foot, didn't see anything wrong. 
went to the doctor twice uh, and, and told them I had a fever. They checked my foot both times. They told me that my foot was fine. It was not infected and um, that I must have been had the flu. So I went to the emergency room. When I went to the emergency room with the flu, um, they they told me that you you we don't know what's going on with you. They actually said, we don't know what's, what's happening with you, but we're going to give you an antibiotic just in case and send you home and just, you know, watch yourself. This was about, so three days later, I literally was, I came home from church and I sat on the couch and prepared to watch some football and relax on a Sunday afternoon. And I took my shoe off and my foot, my left foot was engorged about three times the size it, it was. It was swollen and it was green. And I mean green. I'm not trying to be, you know, like overly dramatic here. It was, it was really, really bad. And I knew I was in trouble, but I was still had the mindset, oh, well, I'll just, you know, hey, I'm going to go in here and I want to get a shot of antibiotics. They're going to really hit me up. I'm going to be out of there and gone. Um, so I took myself to the, I drove myself to the emergency room. Um, and I talked about this in the book in depth. You know, I, there was, a, was something about that drive. And when I walked into the emergency room, I never thought uh, for one second that um, my life was getting ready to change. I never did. It never still dawned on me. Um, and it did when I, that was the last walk I ever walked with my own two legs was that trip going to the emergency room. Yeah. Right. So I wanted to go back to that. So, you know, um, I think for us and, and I'd include myself in that for those who experienced amputation earlier on, and then having to go a, a further one up. And with me, it's not only further up, it's also both legs two years apart. And so you know, you talk about driving to the emergency room and thinking about that. Now, you already had, I'm sure, some sort of emotional feeling to your point earlier about losing your your, your toe. Um, and that's absolutely valid, right? Uh, losing a limb, regardless of how small or how big it is, you're always going to have that grief and that loss that you have to deal with that. So when you're driving in the emerge to emerge, were you thinking at all that you were going to lose this leg or were you just, I'm just to your point, I'm just going to get this shot and I'm good. But then when you were told that you may lose the leg, what went through your mind that second time? Yeah, that to, to answer your question, um, you know, again, I was not thinking that I, that I was going to lose a limb again. I, I never thought that was going to happen to me. I thought I was, you know, just had an infection. I do know I had a fever. I didn't realize that, sept, you know, I was becoming septic. Uh, uh, I was on the downhill slide. Um, but when the doctor announced that he had to take me to surgery or I was going, he, I'm very, I'm really appreciative because he, he, you know, a lot of doctors kind of, kind of him haul around. This one was straight up. He's like, look, we don't get you to surgery now. You're probably going to, to die. And it's scary. Yes, it was scary, but I appreciated it because I was like, now I knew what I was facing. And so, um, but feeling that, you know, uh, I was, because the plan was to take the top of the foot. And I, I was like, he's like, he told me, so I'm going to take the top of your foot. You'll probably still have your foot. You know, he didn't talk about, you know, like losing the limb at that point. So I was okay with it. Just, I wanted the infection out of me. My kidneys were failing. My heart was really in a bad rhythm. I, I wanted to feel better. So I was willing to do that. And even though it was scary and I, 
you know, really scary. I, that, I was ready to do that. But once, once I woke up and realized that he did do what he said, he took, removed the top of my foot completely. There was no muscles, tendons, ligaments, nothing left. And he told me, he said, Jeffrey, we, we have a choice. He said, I think I got all the infection, but you'll never walk normally again. You'll walk with what's called drop foot. He said, you can walk with drop foot and we can try to heal what we have here or we can amputate your foot, which was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make because now the first amputation was not my choice. Now I had to make a choice. And, and I realized then, wow, you, okay, this is your life is now about to change, Jeffrey. And, you know, I had, I talked to my wife and we were both scared out of our minds. I mean, it was just really, you know, what do we do? So, but I had to make that decision. I didn't want to walk around the rest of my life with drop foot. So I chose to amputate the foot. And, but this is where the trouble began because once they got in and amputated the foot, uh, he fa they found more infection in the bone and had to cut me guillotine style straight down. And I had to, they had to culture that infection because that's where, you know, to, to your point, you, you've lost both limbs above the knee. This is where they were like, we don't know how much infections in your leg. We, we might have to go above. We don't know how much. So I laid for a week and a half in agony, you know, and not only in pain, but emotional pain. I, I was so distraught thinking about what, what is going to happen. And the not knowing is what I talk about in the book is that not knowing. And, and that's what the book's about is that person or that amputee, that limb loss uh, patient who could be in that position, who doesn't know what's happening to themselves right now. Their family doesn't know. We didn't know. So, uh, you know, just laying there in kind of agony allowed me to really reflect. And the emotional, um, the emotional tearing inside that I was dealing with, I was depressed. Uh, I was angry. Uh, I questioned everything. And uh, it wasn't a good state of mind. But I still had that, you know, that, the way, the way of mind to, to think my way through it and to, to develop a plan, okay? What, ha what if, what if, what if? So without taking away from the pages of the book itself, in case you want people to read it, what sort of hints that you could give readers or, and listeners right now as to what was that like for you in that waiting time? Like, you know, we, all, we have to talk about, you know, I was going through this depression. I was going through a lot of things in my head in my head but what are those things that sort of help you um first of all maybe some of the things that you for yourself experienced those fears like what did that feel like i think some of the issues that everybody's go through uh, you know especially those that are about to go under the knife instead of you know finding out waking up without their limb because of an accident or trauma you're you know you, you're given this time to reflect and think about and hopefully you know, there, I think the expectation is always that you start organizing, you know, the tactical things, you know, my wheelchair, my house, my this, my that, my, you know, but we don't really, and I think that serves more of a distraction than what is actually in, on internally. So what were those things that you can identify without, like I said, without giving away too much uh, for yourself and saying, this is how I'm going to deal with that, or, or this is how I dealt with that um, yeah. as, as an example. Well, I, that's a great question. And how I did it, honestly, of course, I'm, you know, I'm guilty of taking a couple of days and was really kind of, you know, uh, went inward and really I needed that, that time. And uh, the only person I allowed around me was my wife, you know, 
um, I needed that time to reflect on what's really going on, not just, you know, yes, I mean, I think what, have, ha, what helped me overcome it was to have that time to really understand, you know, look inside yourself and, and, you know, just really do some soul searching on, you know, on your life, on where you are, what you, where you want to go to try to get your mind off the thing, what was, what's happening. But also I developed, you know, I started asking questions, not, you know, to, I started asking staff and doctors things that I, I would write down, you know, questions like, okay, what's going to happen here? And then what if this, it was always a what if scenario. And my wife and I did plan, just like you said, we planned uh, the, and we I talk about this in depth in the book is, you know, going home and preparing your home for the type of amputee, the type of limb loss that you're, that you're experiencing. Even if it's upper or lower, you're going to have a different experience in your home, right? I mean, there's, it just is what it is. So, so we started thinking about pre prepping for the house and, and knowing that I was a lower limb now left below the knee or before this, but no, we knew that I was missing a foot. So we, we knew I needed a wheelchair ramp. So these, we started in preparation. This helped me kind of cope with having a solid foundational plan, at least in place and knowing that I had people behind me doing it helped me. Now, not everyone, I understand everyone's situation is different, but I believe in developing a, even a plan within yourself, whether it's, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, milestone it. I'm, I'm going to get myself to the bed, to the chair, or I'm going to be able to do this. Little things add up, you know, so developing those little milestones in your mind of what you want to do and, and then make a plan to, to set yourself in motion to do that helps your mind and your emotions get over the, this, uh, this type of trauma, I believe. Right. And then so after your application, and I will share sort of mine, because I dealt 15 years before I actually said, okay, I, I can't deal with this anymore. And, and a lot of pain with various infections that comes back and forth every, almost every other month, really. Yeah. And so it's, it's been very difficult. But for me, there was a sigh of relief when I looked down and my foot was gone. What was yours like? Well, yeah, I talk about this and, and, and I understand I talk about what you just said, because there's some amputees that feel relieved. Um, there was a part of me that was relieved. And I, I admit that because there was a part of me that was like, wow, it's gone. Now I don't have to worry about that infection or, you know, all this is going on. You're right. But then also I got overwhelmed with sadness when I, when I woke up after they finally took the, the last part of my leg below the knee, thank God. Um, when I woke up, and I saw the sheet of the bed flat, and the other side was my leg. Uh, it, I started to cry. I admit it. Um, looking at that sight um, was, you know, something I'll never forget. And I don't think any amputee will ever forget that first moment, that first sight of, okay, because it's the first awareness. It's your first uh, uh, knock on the door that, hey, you're, things are different now you know, and you've got, it's up to you to figure out how you're going to make your life the best it can be from this point, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, right. And then how did you get past that? Um, what did that look like to you? Or how did you overcome that? And then leaving the hospital where you're no longer in that setting and, and being in the community? Yeah. Um, that, of course, initial first few days, um, it, it was, I lost it right around, right at Christmas time. On Christmas day, I was there with my limb gone. And, 
you know, the, what helped me, of course, the first few days during Christmas was my family being around, you know, you're, they, with my children, I have five grown children. Um, they were all there. Uh, it helped me to get my mind off of it, of course, but the, the hard part was being with everyone there and letting them, my, my children see me in this new vulnerable way. I was embarrassed. I felt incomplete. I felt not whole, um, not just not just physically. I, I mean, I, there was a part of me that was missing now, and I needed to find that person. I needed to find what was missing. And even though I was smiles and you know loved their company, I still felt alone. And I've talked, I talk about that. Um, but what helped me get over it, well, you know, uh, to answer your question, is um, is being able to. Uh, for me and everyone's different, you know, it's, it's getting back to as soon as you can getting back to doing what you love or trying to do what you love, or if you can't do what you, what something that you love or, or that you enjoy doing is to find something that you can do that you, that you've always wanted to do that you've never done before. For me, it was writing a book. I needed to get that story out. I didn't care what the book read like, you know, this was my first stab at doing anything I just needed to get that story out. It was adamant for me because my wife and I did not know. It, everyone's experience in the hospital is different. I, I can't say that you know, mine's, everyone's the same because we can't say that. But my experience was, was very um, uh, non People were complacent. Uh, there was, uh, wasn't a lot of physical therapy. I was kind of like strung out on my own. I literally was sent out of the hospital on December, on, on New Year's Eve with a pair of crutches and said, good luck. This was fact, and it's in my book. So, I, you know, I was really, we just, my wife and I both were like, what do we do? What, who do we talk to? How do, she didn't know how to take care of me. I didn't know how to take care of me. And I didn't know how to help her take care of me. You know, I didn't know what to, what the, how to even go about it. So we were figuring it out on its own. And I told her, I said, I said, you know, I said, there needs to be a book. Motivational books are awesome. I read, I've read so many amputational motivational books. I, I mean, it's, it's all wonderful, but there needed to be a book of straight up down to the, down to the bones, real world book. That's going to help anyone out there. That's, that's lost their limb and also their families in coping with loss and limb loss. It, it needed to be done. And that's, that was the whole mission for me uh, and said to, to, to write the book. And that, and that's still the mission today. Um, I'm a certified peer visitor. Uh, I, I talk to amputees around the, around the country, and I love I love that. I love helping amputees, no matter where they are. Call them on the phone, on Zoom calls, and and try to help them cope with what they're dealing with. Which is something that I I feel like, as a as me, I, I love to give back, and that's where I'm at today. And that helped me also cope with my limb loss. You know, because we all know that we're never ever completely over it. You know, there's always a little anxiety or a little grief still even today when I take my leg off every evening there's still a part of me goes wow okay you're you're an amputee you know you're you're different now you're different it's not like you just you know so that's that's kind of where I helped me through this whole thing was right talked about peer support and peer visit how do you get people to advocate for themselves because you sounded like you advocated for yourself right from the get-go you took charge of your life and you took charge of what you wanted to do and you improved your diet, you improved your lifestyle. Like if you can, again, take a couple of pages from your, from your book as examples of what would you say 
to give people the confidence to advocate for themselves? <clears throat> uh, I think number one, we could talk about, you know, uh, to, to take the time to heal. And I talk about this a lot in the book because, you know, everyone, you know, when you're first in the hospital or if you're wherever you are with your limb loss, you know, at some point you were in the hospital and everyone, you know, I know the first thoughts are, you know, when am I going to get out of here? When can I get out? When, you know, when can I physically get out? But even when you get out, you're still healing and you're in recovery. And I believe the first step in advocating for yourself is to, is to be kind to yourself and allow yourself to heal at your pace. Everyone's different. Everyone is different. Um, some people got, you know, for me, I wanted to get up and go. I was, you know, but there are some people that, that uh, need that extra time. And, and, they're, and they're, you know, with their, with their physical body, I mean, they might need longer, you know. And there's, it's not a race. You know, this, getting back on your feet or getting, you know, getting back to your, using your upper limbs, it's not a race. It's up to you uh, to take care of yourself and believe in yourself. And I know that sounds a little cliche, but genuinely believing deep down that you can do things is the heart of the matter. It is truly the heart of the matter. Believing in yourself that you can, you know, go from the stool to, you know, to the bathtub or any little step, believing that you can cook your first meal as an amputee, a lower limb. These are all little monumental milestone things that you've got to believe in yourself that you can do. So the first thing is to advocate for yourself by taking your time, being kind to yourself. Now, I'm not saying wallow, wallow in depression for, for, for years. And depression is a, is a serious illness. And you know it's, um, it's something that if you get to the point where you can't shake it, I definitely encourage to seek help. And I talk a lot about that in the book as well. Um, but, you know, being depressed, you know, you can do things to motivate yourself and, and inspire yourself and don't stay in one spot, you know, move, get, do things differently and genuinely just take your time in doing it. But, um, but, but at some point, push yourself to go further in your life. You will do it. That's what I say. A lot of times I talk about, especially with new amputees, about describing what you're actually feeling when it comes to prosthetics, for example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we have this culture where, especially here in North America, where a doctor sits up at top and patient sits at the bottom and words get spewed to you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I think I'll just accept that because that's what they said. I'm not supposed to feel that way. But for me, I think part of your self-advocacy and self-care is actually saying, you know what? That prosthetic doesn't really feel right. No, I actually feel my foot where it should be. You know, like what are your sort of go-to either mental prep or go-to, you know, uh, I guess sort of how do you build that confidence to say, I, you know, I want to say this, like, or, 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 or I want to, I want to make sure I say this properly or, or get rid of that fear so that you can speak up for yourself. That's a really great question. And, and so give you just a quick background before I answer that question. I used to work in cardiovascular surgery for 12 years. I worked in perfusion. We operated a heart lung machine during, during open heart. So I, working in the medical field as well, I learned a few things and a few things that I learned that most people don't know. And this is why I'm, I'm able to say this is you as a patient, if you're, you know, whether, whether, wherever you are, you're, it's okay. If you're experiencing phantom pain, trust me, your doctor has heard of the word phantom pain. They know all about it. Right. Um, so 
a lot of patients, a lot of limb loss patients are afraid to admit it because they think it's something that they're only experiencing and they're afraid to admit it that they're experiencing it. It's okay to experience it and it's okay to admit it to a doctor, to a physician. Um, but it's also perfectly okay as a, as, an, as a patient, no matter if you're an amputee or not, to ask questions. And I go through a whole series of questions that you could ask your physician about your limb loss prior to surgery and after surgery. Um, but having these type of questions uh, is arms your arms you and your and your you know your family your your caregiver in helping you with the best care. Um, you should never be afraid to ask your doctor any kind of pertinent question. Um, there's no you know the, any question that you have on your heart needs to be asked because it's only going to help you because maybe that doctor didn't ex didn't expect you to ask that question and maybe you might find an answer that you didn't expect. So, you know, it's, it's really important that way to do that. Um, yeah, definitely with phantom pains. I mean, it's, it's a scary thing. Um, you know, I immediately felt instantaneous. Um, the minute I was waking up from anesthesia, I felt as if my, somebody pushed my leg, crushed it up, you know, really tight. And I, I felt my toes wiggling and, you know, it was, it was really kind of a, at first I was thinking, oh, wow, they didn't amputate. I still have something here. And it was, you know, it was kind of, I was kind of delirious, but then as I woke up, realized that it was gone, but I still had those feelings. It was scary, very scary. And anyone that's limb loss, uh, you know, amputee out there, I'm sure that you've experienced them. If you haven't, you probably will, because um, you eventually you do, but it's okay to ask your doctor about it. Talk to any, you know, even talk, we, I talk about cognitive therapy with phantom pains in the book, um, you know, dealing with emotional trauma, you know, a mental trauma, uh, going back to depression and grief and shock, these all things do kind of play in, in together with phantom pains because your mind is still sorting through losing a limb. It takes your brain a while to kind of adapt to. And sometimes your brain never really does adapt. Your brain, your brain's constantly sending signals to your limbs. So when, you, when your limb receives a signal that it, it, it misfires, you're going to feel that. And, and, there, but, and it's alarming, but, and then, but sometimes it can be comforting knowing that, hey, you know, uh, my brain's working, things are, things are happening, and, uh, but it's okay to ask questions with any, with any doctor out there. I would say that for sure. When I, you know, getting my prosthesis, I was excited like you. After, after losing the leg, getting over that, I was in, then being in a wheelchair for, you know, three months, uh, I was ecstatic about getting it and really excited. So, um, you know, I, I embraced the, the treatment, the process, you know, being, being wrapped and being cemented and, you know, the whole thing. And I watched and I, I still asked questions. I talked to my prosthetists and I, I was able to uh, tell them what I wanted to do with my life, which is very important uh, to let them know, because, you know, they, if, if they don't know what you want to do, whether it's going back to your career, back to your job, uh, sport, whatever, then they're not going to get you the right prosthetic that's going to fit your lifestyle. It's important to be, to be open with them. But I embraced the whole process and learned and, and took notes, videotaped, uh, got over the, you know, the, the downside of it and, and decided to embrace the upside, which is this is going to get you up and walking again, my friend. And that's what I kept telling myself. And once that prosthetic was made, I remember, and I actually have it on video, and I, it's in one of my uh, book trailers, uh, the actual video of the first time that I walked with a prosthetic, and I actually walked. 
it, I, I had my mindset so strong about it that I was in between the bars. And of course, I, you know, I, I didn't just walk. I, I started walking and started grabbing the bars. But then, you know, I was feeling that how it felt. It felt different, felt kind of even a little bit painful, you know, at first. But because it was my leg you know, going down into a new device, something plastic, something carbon, something hard. And but I, you know, I still kept thinking, this is going to get you walking again and being able to, to do that and get out of that wheelchair. I hated the wheelchair. Nothing wrong with wheelchairs. For, for me, I didn't like it. I didn't like being that. Um, I wanted to be free, freer. So I kept, I kept that in my mind. And so I, I started walking down those bars. And next thing I know, I let go. And I started walking. And my wife said, look, you're walking. And immediately tears started flowing. Because all that angst, all that like wonderment, like what's going to happen, it all just came, came up. It just came out. And I, I stood there for a moment and I cried. I just, I had to, I had to take that moment, catch a breath and cry. But then I wiped the tears, went back to work. And next thing you know, I walked out of that place with my first prosthetic and I was proud of that fact. I think it, it's a very good thing that you brought that up because sometimes I think that's one thing that we do miss. And I think a lot of people have misconceptions about, you know, they see me on Instagram or they see my social posts about as an athlete, you know, and you yourself, you know, being very active in the community and being active with your sure. life. Um, and I'm sure without COVID, you'd be traveling with, with your book and so on. And so it's a very active lifestyle that you, that you live as well. About the whole misconception. And I think people think that, again, to that, to that chat of comparison that we don't experience those overwhelming of emotions, that cry moment, those emotions where you're like, you know, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that just happened, whether that's, you know, to celebrate that, that tears were tears of joy. Right. But I find that my tears are quite shallow, actually, you know, I'm one of those guys who, and I don't know, and I can't recall if I've always been one of those guys who cried a telephone commercial. <laughs> right or the Christmas commercial, right? But it's but I think I think it's important, especially for men, and and we can talk certainly talk about that and show me how you, you know, or, or tell me how you think how what you think about that is for us to show those emotions, and it's actually healthy, right? It's absolutely perfectly healthy, and and I've always been that guy too. I'm the guy that's always wear, wears my heart on my sleeve, but and you know, like you say, if there's something emotional, I'll cry. But not not cry baby. There's a difference. But being able to be you know confident in yourself, that for me, I've always been able to just let it out. But um, there's you know men do it different ways. Women do it different ways. Um, you know, just embracing you know, gosh, what's going on with you uh, is you know is is a nut is, is a lot. You know, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. But it's letting it out and crying and, or just even if it's even if it's not just crying if it's just being able to take a breath and, and take a moment uh it's okay you have permission to do that and that's the that's the hard part about society in today's world being men of course is like everything's go 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 push 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 you know gotta go 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 and you know as an amputee whether if you're lower limb or whatever there's always a perception like you know People um, are looking at me. I'm, I'm, you know, I look hideous. Uh, you know, I talk a lot about that in the book as well. Um, you know, is appearances and worrying about what others think. I know I did. I mean, I, I'm open about it. I, you know, the first time that, 
my family wanted me to go swimming and it was in a public pool. I was petrified to take my leg off and show my stump. Petrified. I mean, like debilitating, petrified, sick to my stomach, didn't want to do it. But my stepson, he just kept saying, it's okay. Come on, come on, come on. He, he pushed me, pushed me, pushed me. It took that. And finally, I was like, you know what? You're right. And I did it. And then once I realized I took it off, no one even cared. Or I'm sure they were looking at me. That's fine. But no one really, it didn't bother anyone. You know, so that's, there's a big stigma about that. And once you get over that, um, it's, it, life's a whole lot easier. You know, it's okay. And let's go back to to the whole men emotion feeling because okay. like, you know not a lot of people often talk about that or get an opportunity to talk about that it's you know the whole look right so you know generally men deal with balding and and we had this whole you know i'm not virile anymore i'm not sexually attractive anymore i'm not physically attractive anymore and now i have limb loss that i have to deal with what tips would you give men who will be who may be going through that those things especially you know and i've come across this with a lot of the younger empties who who you know who may be just starting their life or they might they want to meet someone where right. they feel less attractive now because you know of the limb loss like what what would your what your guidance be from your experience your tips would be for them to to get past that well i talk a lot about sexuality and relationships in the book and i talk about dating and and but being a married man i found that you know, I was very, very worried about how my spouse was going to see me, you know, at this point, at that point, um, even though she knew I had an amputation, of course, but, but being, you know, romantically being sexual, there's a big difference. There's a, there's a massive difference. And so I worried about that. And I worried about, you know, being able to function, being able to perform, I worried about that, uh, to like stressed, but I think what got me over the hurdle and what I advise, you know, anyone out there listening to do something simple, sit down with your partner or your character, whoever it is, and, and just be open and say, look, I am concerned. And it's going to be hard to do. It's not, it's not going to be just as easy as I'm saying it, but I say, sit down with your partner and say, look, I am concerned about this. I am worried. I want you to work with me. I need you to work with me. I want, I need you to be patient with me. Just be open and transparent. Don't bottle your feelings up and hide them because that just leads to um, both, both parties feeling um, unloved, feeling, you know, stressed, and it, it leads to, to bad things. Being open, transparent, and just, and even asking questions, asking them, you know, how, how would you like for me to be, or, or how would, you know, how could I make this better for you as, you know, as, as my partner, you know, these are things that's really important. And back to dating, you know, being a young man or young woman, you know, whoever, um, dating is difficult, especially in today's society. It's difficult enough without being a, without being a, you know, an amputee, but add that on top of it and then worry about, you know, how acceptance it goes, it still goes back to being transparent. I believe, I believe it's, it's being open with that potential partner, potential person you're interested in, um, even because if you're meeting them and you have never seen them, you know, like maybe you're meeting online or whatever, be open with that person. You know, if you're got, if you're on a blind date, tell them up front, hey, I'm an amputee. Uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to scare you. I just want you to know that this is me and this is what I want you to understand what you're dealing with. But then also, again, if you're dating and people know you and, and you meet someone in the, the pathway of life and, you know, they see you, 
again, being open and transparent is, is my advice. It, it's the tell all um, way to, to set things on the right path on a foundation. You can't build a house without a good foundation and dating and marriage is the exact same way. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's really important to hear actually. Um, I get, like I said, again, your, your book is revered as the guide to, you know, the, the, the amputation Bible. What would you want the listeners to take away from this podcast that they will find in the book? Um, I think the, the whole broad um, statement from this book and what they can get from this book is that uh, no matter where you are in your life, no matter where you are with your limb loss, whether it's the first, first seconds, first minutes, first hours, days, years, wherever you are in the world, that you can make your life better and you can get your life back uh, by believing in yourself, educating yourself on, on your new life and what's going on around you, asking questions, being transparent, and most of all um, is to inspire your own self. Inspire yourself. A lot of people don't do that. Most people don't do that. Most people go through life and, you know, are always looking at, you know, things coming at them instead of being proactive and you know, inspiring yourself. Because once you inspire yourself and once you show yourself that you can do, you know, you can get your life back, you can do things you used to do, or maybe it might be different, but you can still do them. You're going to um, inspire yourself and inspire others around you. That's the big take from my book is inspiration and it can be done. It can be done. Right. Now, that's really awesome. What would your biggest or what would you want the listeners biggest takeaway would be from today? Is to understand that you're not alone, that there's millions of us out there and you, you can always, you know, uh, talk to someone. You can always call someone if you're if you're in that deep uh, depressed you know, mode of your of your life. Reach out. There's no shame in it. There is no shame in, in re seeking help. There's also no shame in, in asking questions with everyone, your doctor, your prosthetist, your, your occupational therapist, even your podiatrist. It's okay to ask questions, right? Um, and, to, and then also, you know, learn, learn everything you can about limb loss and look and listen to what other people say. Listen to what they're experiencing. It might help you. And not just don't, you know, walk around with blinders on, open yourself up. And then maybe you can get to a point just like me of helping others and listening to others because it helps me being able to help others. And it sure is, you know, it's, it's rewarding in that as well. All right. No, I really like that. And I, and, you know, I got the title of the book is Impossible, um, kind of like my show, MPTO, um, <laughs> Impossible. Um, with the uh, the amp being AMP as an MPT, I guess is the the play on word on that. And you are possible, right? And just there you go. Right. Just kind of like what you know what uh, what you're saying about throughout our talk today about being things being more possible. So where can people find you? What's your website? What's your social media? Where people can learn more about the book and learn more about you? Um, the the book the website for the book is ampossibleusa.com. Really simple. Uh, you can buy the book there, and also you can find my my book and me on Ampossible on Facebook. You just facebook.com slash Ampossible USA, and then also if you wanted to reach out to me at ghostwritingusa.com. It's really simple. So 
Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for being here today and spending the time with me. I want to thank Jeffrey Mangus for joining me today. I'll share all the links on my website at www.aerosolthemeetup.com. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or show ideas, please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at The MTO Show. Until next time, I'm your host, Aerosol Domingo, and this has been The MTO Show Podcast.